Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, Foothills family. How are you guys doing? You doing good? Yeah, The Good Shepherd, this series has been amazing, and we're going to continue that today. Uh, 2023 was, a, um, was an interesting year for our family in, in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, there were so many mountaintops, so many great things happened in 2023, but 2023 was also a year that was very overwhelming at times uh, for us personally. And going back to January of 2023, over a year ago, is when it kind of began. We, we were down in Florida visiting my mother, and she had not been feeling well. And um, she kind of just chalked it up to older age and didn't really do much about it. And finally, she made an appointment to see the doctor because just things weren't going well. And, and the doctor said, yeah, we'll see you in six weeks or whatever they told her. It was a long time. And then we ended up visiting her about that time, and, and um, she... We just said, look, we're going to the emergency room. You're not doing good. We can't wait six weeks for the doctor to see you. We're going to go to the emergency room. So we convinced her to go. She didn't want to go. So we went to the emergency room. And, man, it was crowded. And we, we were there literally all day long and into the night. And finally, they, you know, it takes forever to get in. And they see her. Then they're doing test after test after test. And as we're waiting there, finally the doctor comes in. It's by now. It's, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night or something. And a doctor comes in and said, we don't really know exactly all that's going on now, but here's what we know. She's got cancer. And it was just like, hit you like a ton of bricks. She's got cancer. And so we, um, he said, until you do a PET scan and find out the, the rest of, we don't know all the detail, but it, that's what we know right now. So one thing led to another, went um, to different doctors while we were there and came back she had the stage four cancer literally everywhere and it just it just was overwhelming it just shocked if you've ever gone through that if you ever walked through that cancer is a horrible disease and and uh so so literally throughout all of 23 2023 almost that's what we dealt with and fortunately because of the schedule of of what was going on here and um with our transition of leadership and i was I was stepping away, and Pastor Kevin was coming in as our lead pastor, and I gave up. it just worked out that way that we had, I had more time. And, and so um, eventually we, we, we were in this pattern of being there literally month after month after month. And I just am so thankful that um, because of the, the way my schedule worked out, my brother's schedules, we were able to care for my mom as we watched her deteriorate. If you've ever watched somebody with cancer, that is uh, literally you know, killing them. You know what I'm talking about. And so we, we dealt with that. It was so overwhelming it so many times. And then as it got near the end, where things got really started getting bad, uh, we were there. Um, my wife just, my wife and my mother were best friends. And so that she was there literally by my mother's side the whole time. My brothers, their families, it was just amazing. And so they finally got to the point where hospice was called in. And we're doing home hospice care, but before we got there, we were, she was at the hospital one more time trying to figure out if they could do anything with her, and, um, and, and they said, we can't do anything that's going to send her home, and so we were at home, things were not good, and then 
literally, literally my wife stepped away from her for just a minute. My mother tried to get up and fell and broke her hip on top of this. And we're dealing with that. It was just totally, and then they had to do hip surgery to her. It was just, it was so bad. So overwhelming. And there were times, though, I got to tell you that in the midst of all of that, God has a way of reminding you that he's aware of the situation and he gives you little bits of encouragement as you walk through difficult times. If you've ever gone through that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Just enough to keep you going and saying, okay, God's, he, he hasn't overlooked us. He is aware of the situation and he's moving despite the circumstances. And um, eventually in, in November, the cancer got the best of her and she passed, but it was, it was difficult. Um, Life is filled with difficulties. It's, it has, what we talked about last week, it has the mountaintops, it has the valleys. Today we're going to talk about how to, how to deal with things when we feel overwhelmed. I want to, want to welcome those who are watching online, and I want to give a special welcome to those that are Pendleton, Pendleton campus. Can we say hello to them this morning? How are you guys doing? <laughs> difficulties are, are interesting because... Last week we described them, David described them in Psalm 23 as valleys. Valleys are those times in our lives where we're, we're in between those mountaintop experiences and it's a low part of our life and it's difficult and there's trials, but we also talked about that there are opportunities for joy and other things in the midst of all those struggles. Here's what I've discovered in my time on this earth is that life is filled with difficulties and difficulties come in all shapes and sizes. These trials that I'm speaking of, all shapes and sizes. It's like going to Baskin Robbins ice cream. 31 flavors. That's, that's how it is with difficulties. The difference between where the analogy breaks down is that Baskin Robbins, you go get to pick your flavor. When it comes to difficulties, you don't get to pick it. You, you deal with what you're dealt with. I mean, that's how you, you just work with what you got. That's, what, that's how it is. And so if you were to look at it in meteorological terms... Uh, when it comes to difficulties or trials or valleys, they, they, some are more like hurricanes. These difficulties, you can see them from a long way off. And a hurricane is tracked for thousands of miles before it makes landfall. And, as, and you have plenty of time to prep. I'm from South Florida. I can tell you all about that. We boarded up windows more than I can tell you. And you hope, and you're hoping it doesn't make landfall on you. And generally, it, it, it tends to just do what it wants to do. But you have time to prepare Nobody is shocked when a hurricane comes, but yet it's very devastating even with all the preparation. That's how some trials are. You see them coming. You know what's, what's, you know, you see the handwriting on the wall and you know it's coming and you brace yourself, but it's still devastating when you, when you face those. Some of those difficulties are, are more like tornadoes. With tornadoes, you don't have a lot of warning. You get, you know, they, you might get a, Hey, the, the conditions are favorable for a tornado. We're going to put a tornado watch, and if it gets a little more severe, we're going to make it a warning. But then you got, you know, that siren goes off, and you're heading for the basement. You don't have a lot of time. That's how tornadoes are, and they are equally destructive. That's how it is sometimes in life. Your difficulties and my difficulties may be different, but we all experience them. And this is exactly what's going on as we look at Psalm 23. In Psalm 23, we, we've been breaking down verse by verse every week. And today we're going to be in verse 5. And you may recall 
that David, who writes this, is the shepherd who would become the king. But in the meantime, there's this king named King Saul who is very jealous of David. He's kind of a lunatic. He is chasing David down. He's hunting him down like an animal to kill him because he's threatened by David. David is on the run, you know, hoping his life will be spared, and he's kind of records a lot of things during that time and he just kind of lets his emotions go out as you read some of the psalms and how he was feeling and sometimes he felt overwhelmed and even sometimes he felt overlooked god where are you in all of this don't you see what's going on aren't you going to respond have you ever felt that way in psalm 23 verse 5 which we're going to look at today he's talking about a valley, being overwhelmed. Our difficulties, again, may be different. You may be here today and you are in one of those trials in your marriage or with your health or with your emotional state or maybe your finances or maybe spiritually. Maybe it's health. Maybe it is someone you love's health. But you're in a valley. David understood this. Why I love the Bible is the Bible is real. It's not just fluff. It's not just, oh, let's just paint this rosy picture. It gives the real deal. Like We know. We know this stuff. And so here's what he says in verse 5. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to actually read. This isn't going to come on the screens because I didn't tell anybody to prepare for this. So I'm going to read beginning in verse 1 all the way through verse 5 because it's real short. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It may sound a little different. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Last week, here's what we shared last week. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Today, here's the verses. Listen to what he says. And then next week, Pastor Kevin will wrap up this with verse 6. But here's verse 5. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Now, this is really interesting. If you, and we're going to dig into this. But it's really interesting when you see this because David gives us the remedy of what to do when you feel like you're overwhelmed. What do you do when you feel like you're overwhelmed? Now, I titled the message Overwhelmed but Not Overlooked. You ever been overlooked for something? Maybe a job promotion? Like you were the qualified candidate and you should have got it, but you got overlooked for somebody else? doesn't feel good. Or maybe the team that you were trying out for and you felt like you did a better job during the tryouts, but you didn't make the team that somebody else did. You were overlooked. David has felt that way in the past, overlooked. But I'm telling you, there are times where you're going to feel overwhelmed. But I just want to guarantee you, you will not be overlooked. And this is, in this particular psalm, David reminds us that God is not only aware of the situation that you're going through right now, but he is actively at work in the middle of that, doing things that you won't even see sometimes. But what he reminds us of is that even in the middle of those things, that God is fully in control. So I'm going to give you the three things that you can do the next time you feel overwhelmed or if you're feeling overwhelmed today. Because as I mentioned last week, you may be on the mountaintop today, but I guarantee because of the nature of life that, that tomorrow you could be in a valley and you could be experiencing 
the same kind of thing. So the first thing to remember when you are feeling overwhelmed is to remind yourself to remember that God protects me. God protects me. Now, this is, this is what we talked about last week. It's just kind of a, every week it builds on itself. So, so we're going to kind of be on repeat of some things. But here's the thing. God protects me. Last week, we talked about this, that, that David in the middle of the valley, he said, I'm, I'm not going to be afraid because you are with me. Remember what we said? We said the proximity of God in our life is the, is the determining factor of whether or not we're going to have peace or we're going to live in fear. In those times when we're overwhelmed by fear, the problem is that we are not close to God. The closer we are to God, the more peace we experience. And that's what David shared. But God protects me. God is sovereign. You understand that God is sovereign, which means he is the number one ruler of everything in the world. And that is very comforting to me. I like to look at it this way, that God is fully in control of my life. God has what I like to refer to as the God filter around me, around you and your life if you're a follower of his, this God filter, that everything that comes to me has first has to be approved by God. Like nothing gets to me that doesn't first get through God. And I don't know what God hasn't let through because that filter, I'm thankful for the things that I don't even know that could have happened to me, but he kept them out for whatever reason. But he has allowed through that filter good things and unfortunately sometimes some bad things. Now he doesn't cause the bad things we know as we're gonna, we're gonna see in a minute, but he allows those things because there's always a purpose in pain. God always does something in pain. First and foremost, what God wants to do is he wants to bring glory to himself through whatever situation you're going through. And then secondly, there's this byproduct that it often helps us grow spiritually, grow in character, perseverance. Um, it just builds our character in general. So that's what God can do and use in those situations. And... As furthermore, what God can do is when others see this and see your response to those difficulties, it has a profound effect on them to say, hey, I don't know what they've got, but maybe I should check into that. So God has a filter. Doesn't filter out every bad thing, but it has to have his approval before it gets to me. Now, when we look at Psalm 23, verse 5, let's, let's, let's go back to what David said. And we're, this is just the first part of that. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemy. Now remember, David is in a situation where he's just said, I, I, I'm, even I'm in this valley, I'm in, I'm in this difficult time, but in the midst of that, God is preparing a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. This is a big deal. In those days, um, being a host was really important. Like if, if someone was coming to your house, that was a big deal. And so... And it's still a big deal today. If you ever go on an Airbnb, you, you, you know, there's a, they're called hosts. The people who open up their homes are called hosts. And if somebody's really good, they're called a super host. That means they have really good recommendations. They have, they've, they've gone above and beyond. Well, in this case, um, David is really saying that, hey, God is hosting a party for me, a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Can you imagine this? It's a role reversal. David was the Lord's servant right? David was the Lord's servant, but here we see a role reversal in verse 5 where, where David says, the Lord is preparing a feast for me. Now, it's, it's like the Lord is serving David in the midst of that difficult situation. We have a God who is a serving God. Remember in, in John's gospel when Jesus um, got up and washed his disciples' feet, and, and, and they wondered, why are you serving us? And he said, this is what you do. This is what good leadership is all about. 
And then David says, this is, this is, Jesus is serving me in this difficult time. I feel him preparing this feast, this, this, this meal for me in the presence of my enemies. And this isn't just any meal. This is truly a feast. Because you know, if, if, if God's doing this thing, right, if, if, if Jesus is preparing a feast, this is not paper napkins and sporks. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is the fine china. This is, let's get out the linen tablecloth and the linen napkins and put the you know, fancy candle thing and, and, and flowers on the table. We're going to make this good. It's like Martha Stewart's going to prepare the meal. You know what I'm saying? This is God, when God does something, it, he does it right. And David is saying, I'm in this difficult situation. And yet when I step back and recognize that I don't have to fear being in this valley, because he's with me. In fact, not only is he with me, he's serving me. He's preparing a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. It's almost like the enemies are going to see that I've got this overwhelming peace in the midst of this because they're, they're chasing him to kill him. And David's saying, he's gonna, God is just going to go above and beyond. It's going to be amazing what he does. And I'm telling you, it's like this, it's like this peace in the midst of of this difficult situation, right? Just remember where David is at this point when he's writing this. This is not like David is skipping through the park and through the flowers. This is David being chased down and hunted like an animal by a guy who wants to kill him, and he's writing this, and he's saying, look, here's the deal. I've got, look, I'm not denying that I've got difficulty. It's there. I'm in a valley. I'll admit it, but I'm not there alone. In fact, God is preparing a feast for me in the middle of that in the presence of my enemies. Like I am in this calm in the midst of this chaos. It's the eye of the hurricane. You know the eye of the hurricane? You know what, that, that, what that's all about? Like the hurricane comes. And it's just big wall of storms and wind and, and rain and all that. And then there's this calm. It's the eye. And then once the eye goes, then you get the rest of the backside of the storm. But there's this calm in the middle of the storm. And this is what David is saying. And it's, if you have ever experienced, I can't explain it unless you've been there, you'll know what I'm saying. If you've been through this where it's like, I have this supernatural peace in the middle of this crazy time of my life, and I don't know how I'm experiencing, going back to the situation with my mother, in the middle of all of that, we're watching this person we love so much die before our eyes day by day, and it's just killing you knowing that, but God gives you this overwhelming peace. You, you can't manufacture that. You can't buy that. But it's a byproduct of knowing God. It's the, it's the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, bringing that peace that passes all human understanding. In Psalm 91, the psalmist says this, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. You're going through a difficult time. Read Psalm 91. Let me tell you something. This, these metaphors is, is like God is this protective hen over chicks with putting his wings to protect us. This, we're, we're in the shelter of the Most High. Remember what I said again last week 
that the proximity of God in your life is going to determine whether or not you're in fear or peace. The closer you are to God, if you're in the shelter or the shadow of the Almighty, you're going to feel the peace of His protection in the middle of all of that. In Psalm chapter, uh, 124, verses 2 and 3, what if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us? That's, that's, what, if you didn't have God in your life, what would happen? He said they would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger. How do people get through it when, when, when they're going through difficult times without God? I don't know. I don't know. What are you feeling with, overwhelmed with today? What is, what is it at night that it, it's, when you wake up in the middle of the night, you're thinking about? What is it, that thing that you, that you dread or that thing you've gone through? What, what are you dealing with that is overwhelming you? Just remember that God is protecting you. Maybe you've got family drama right now. Maybe your work situation is just terrible. Maybe you're fighting an addiction, some other kind of emotional funk that you're in. Maybe spiritually you just you don't know up from down. Or you're just dry spiritually. I, I don't know what you're going through. But God is fully aware. You may feel overwhelmed, but you're not overlooked. God is fully aware, and he's actively moving. He's preparing a feast for you in the middle of all of that. Romans 8.31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Does that bring encouragement to anybody but me? Like, no matter what I'm facing, God is bigger. God plus me is a majority. God plus anyone is a majority, right? That's the way God works. You're not alone. You're not, you're not overlooked. God is there. Some of you might recall a story I shared. Um, I don't know if it's folklore, if it's actual truth, but they say that in the, back when the Native Americans, uh, Indians, were inhabited the United States, they had a unique practice of training their young braves. And on the night of the boy's 13th birthday, um, he was going to, you know, he'd spent the first 12 years of his life learning how to hunt and fish and survival skills and all of those kind of things. But on his 13th birthday, he was put to one final test in order to become a man. He was placed in a dense forest to spend the entire night alone. Now, he had never done this before. He'd always been in the protective confines of his tribe. But this night, they would take him out in the middle of the woods. They would, away from the security of his family, and he was blindfolded, taken several miles away, and then he would take off his blindfold. It was the middle of the night. It was dark. It was the thick woods. He was terrified. Every time a twig would snap, he visualized some sort of wild animal ready to pounce on him to eat him. After what seemed like an eternity, dawn broke and the first rays of sunlight would enter the interior of the forest. Looking around, the boy saw flowers and trees and the outline of a path. And then to his utter astonishment, he beheld the figure of a man standing just a few feet away, armed with a bow and arrow. It was his father who had been there all night long. If you've ever been through a situation where you just are like, God, I need you. 
you don't have to look far. He's there. He's there. So God protects us. That's the first thing to remember when you're in an overwhelming situation. The second thing, God refreshes me. God refreshes me. Isn't it, you know, when, when you've been through some situation, you just need a break. Like maybe you're out summertime, 95 degrees, you're out in the yard, you're sweating, you're thirsty, and you jump in a pool, a swimming pool. And it just, doesn't it feel refreshing? My wife and I just got back from an extended vacation, longest one we've ever been on together. It was amazing. We felt so refreshed, just unplugging. Just something about being refreshed. This is what God does in the middle of our situations that God is refreshing us. In the ancient times, getting back to that idea of this hosting, in the ancient times, again, being a host was a big deal. When people would come to visit you, you would always be prepared Right? This is part of what it was about, is this making sure that the people who came to visit you were well taken care of. And so in those days, what they would do is, if you were coming to my house, I would prepare a meal, I would prepare, have the house all ready and, and tidy and all those kind of things. But one of the things that they would do when someone would visit them was to help them be refreshed because they had traveled some distance, and in those days, crude transportation generally was your feet, and they would walk long distances to come to visit, and it was customary that what a good host would do, the first thing they would do, is either they, they themselves or they would have their servant wash their visitor's feet. Um, and, and so they would do that, and then the second thing they would always do when someone came to their house was they would anoint their head with olive oil. That was uh, meant to refresh them. And in Scripture, when you look at the mentioning of olive oil, you see this oil used for a lot of things, but it generally, uh, when you see it, is, is, is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Um, when, when you see the, the oil, um, people anointing with oil. But it was this time of refreshing. And if you think about it, isn't that what the Holy Spirit does in those times with us? He refreshes us in the middle of it. The oil was also associated with joy. Um, when someone would come over, they would, you know, they would, oil was, was like this really made the, the day joyful. It was just a, a part of their, their, uh, the way that they lived. In Psalm 23, 5, going back to it, David says, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. He feels the joy. In the middle of his trial and difficulty saying, I feel refreshed. I feel honored. Uh, you haven't forsaken me. You're anointing my head with oil. I even have joy in this moment. And that's the way that God works. It's, it's, it's like what God said in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 25. Um, he said, For I have given rest to the weary and joy to the sorrowing. If you're facing sorrow today, there's rest and there's joy to be found. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Jesus invites us to give him all of the burdens we're carrying. Listen, the reason we get overwhelmed many times is because we think we have to carry those burdens on our own. Like, let me just tell you that. I don't care how strong you are, how macho you are, you are not built to carry the burdens of life on your shoulders. You're not built for that. We think we are, but they will eventually, you're going to hit a valley low enough, you're going to realize you can't, you can't man up enough to, to take care of that. 
You weren't built for it, but Jesus was. Jesus says, hey, I tell you what you do. Come to me. If you're weary, carry heavy burdens, come to me. I'll give you rest. Offload your burdens onto me because I can handle it. I got my back strong enough to handle your burdens and everybody else's. That's a great invitation if you're feeling overwhelmed today. Just take that burden and say, Jesus, it's too big for me. I'm giving it to you. His promise is you'll find rest. You'll be refreshed in the midst of that. David said, you refresh me, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. In the middle of my struggle, I feel joy. I feel like there's hope. There is an encouragement because you're with me. Man, this is... This psalm, although most of us have read it probably many times and skimmed through it and say, man, that's really good. When you break it down and you recognize, again, that David is going through the most difficult time of his life. He is walking through the valley. He described the valley of the shadow of death. This is not, this is a difficult time. And he is writing this now and he's saying, look, here's how I feel knowing that God is with me. If you are carrying those burdens, give them to Jesus today. Let me give you the last thing you need to do or to remember when you're feeling overwhelmed. And that is remember that God blesses me. He blesses me. He blesses you. If you're his follower, you receive that blessing. David said, my cup overflows with blessings. How many times have you said that in the middle of your darkest moment? Ever? I don't know if I've ever said that. Like he's in the middle of the worst time of his life and he's saying, man, what a blessed man that I am. This is awesome. Now, he's not happy about the situation he's going through. He's happy because he knows that God is there with him. That's why he's happy. God blesses him. My cup overflows. It's not just that, hey, he, he just gave me a little blessing. He is overflowing the blessing. And David didn't allow his circumstances to overshadow the blessings of his life. Think about that. He didn't allow the circumstances. Here he's, he's on death's door, and he's like, I'm not going to allow my circumstances to dictate what I feel. I feel the joy. I feel blessed in the middle of that. That's, that's quite a statement, and I think we can learn from that. There's an old hymn, Count Your Many Blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. How many of us, and I just wanted to, I was thinking about this as, as we were coming to a close. I thought, for a lot of us, we have the opposite reaction where we're overwhelmed with difficulties. When we're in a valley, most of us are not recognizing how blessed we are. In fact, what happens if we're not careful is we forget how blessed we are even when we're not in a valley. Here's what I mean. How many of you, I'll include myself in this, have something in my life that one time, at one time in the past, I considered it a blessing, but now either I have taken it for granted or I don't even consider it blessing anymore. Think about this. Something in your life that one time was, man, this is the greatest blessing, but because I failed to recognize how blessed I am, I've totally taken it for granted, almost like this entitlement mentality. I mean, think of, for some of us, it might be the car you're driving Boy, the first time, wow, I'm so blessed to have this car. The house you're living in, the spouse you have, the children you have, the parents you have, the life you have, the job you have. How many of us, when we at one time considered that a blessing, but now don't even do that? We're not counting our blessings any longer. We totally take them for granted. That's a danger for most of us. But here's what the Bible reminds us. James chapter 1. 
verse 7. For I have, uh, he says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Whatever's good. Anything good in your life, it's a gift. It's a blessing. It's something that God has given you. I know a lot of times we think, well, no, I earned this by the sweat of my brow. God has blessed you. In John chapter 1, verse 16, from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. No, none of us can, in here today cannot say we're not, we're not blessed. We're blessed. But I want to remind you of the greatest blessing of all, and this is what I want to close with. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, we're reminded of what our biggest blessing, if you're a follower of Jesus, the biggest blessing that you have. It's not your spouse, it's not your children, it's not your job, it's not your money, it's not any of that. According to Ephesians chapter 1. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Think about that for a second. The greatest blessing that any of us have is the spiritual blessing of being united with Christ. I think a lot of us take that for granted. I think for a lot of people, if you're a follower of Jesus, the danger that we have is that we forget how blessed we are that God has decided to send his son Jesus to show how much he loves us so that we can be in relationship with him, so we can have our sins forgiven, so that we can walk with God. That is a blessing. It is by God, initiated by God, uh, and designed for God. But a lot of us have, I mean, there was a time in our life we, we, when we were saved, boy, whoa, thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done. I recognize how sinful I am. And without you, I'd have been, you know, my life is, is a mess, but I recognize that you're in my life now. And, oh, I'm blessed. But years go by. And we forget that. It's like, what have you done for me lately, God? And we kind of have that revisionist history. Oh, I wasn't quite so bad. It's almost like, hey, God, I did you a favor by becoming your follower. We, we miss all of it because we forget what it felt like to be lost before we knew Jesus. We forget how we longed for some sort of fulfillment and purpose and something to fill the emptiness in our hearts and when we met Jesus we recognized that's, that's what I've been longing for that's what I've been looking for all my life and you fast forward the clock a year 10 years 20 years down the road and it's like yeah whatever can I just tell you something if God had not shown his mercy on all of us by sending Jesus we would all be dead in our sin and our trespasses doomed for eternity but God sent his only son the greatest blessing there is maybe you're here today and you don't you've never never really thought about it that way you've never made any kind of connection to that. You've, you've heard about Jesus, but you didn't really see your need for Jesus. Can I just tell you, you absolutely 100% need Jesus. There is no other way to eternal life 
apart from Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. The Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The Bible says there is no other name under heaven which we must be saved, the name of Jesus. The greatest blessing that we can possibly have. So here's my challenge. If you're a follower of Jesus, maybe that thought of, man, how lost I was and how desperate I was and how empty I was has kind of faded a little bit. And we kind of get a little too comfortable. Maybe just in your way of connecting back to this, just say, God, remind me of how lonely and lost I felt before I met Jesus so that it will ignite the fire in my heart again of how blessed I am. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity because you don't have to leave this place without that relationship. It's as simple as a commitment. As I say simple, it's a commitment of your heart. It's, it's, it's a, an abandonment of your own desires, your own destiny, and giving it to Jesus who has it all laid out for you anyways. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the blessing, the many blessings that we have, and especially those who are walking through the difficulties of life today. They're in a valley. They're feeling overwhelmed. Remind them that they're not overlooked, that they're not alone, that you're walking with them. God, thank you for preparing a feast for us in the presence of our enemies, even in the lowest parts of our life. Thank you, God, that you never leave us nor forsake us. God, for, for us as believers who have maybe at one time we, we just were in awe of what you did in our lives, that you would save someone who is a wretch like us, and now we're just kind of, it just doesn't do anything for us anymore. Forgive us, God, for that attitude. Remind us, refresh us spiritually. God, for those who are here today who don't have a relationship with Jesus, who are carrying the burdens alone, who are trying to do life alone, who are trying to manage as best they can, and they realize it's just it's not sustainable. I pray that they would recognize that Jesus is the only way, the one who loves them, the lover of their soul. And if that's you, and you're willing to commit your life to Jesus, maybe offer prayer as a way of showing that commitment, saying something like this, Jesus, I am committing my life to you today. Thank you for the cross and what you did on the cross, for shedding the blood for me so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be whole, and so that I could have a relationship with you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior today. God, thank you. Thank you that you are the good shepherd we are your sheep. In your name we pray, amen.